Hello everyone and welcome on an official podcast. Today is a speedy lightning day and it's because we are going to talk about web performance. We are going not to talk about the snails that move slowly on e-commerce space, but we are going to talk how we can make a fast, like lightning fast websites with great scores that will improve your efficiency and KPIs of your business as well, right? So I'm your host, Alexa Pischuk. And I am your host, Peter Schmalfeld. Um, and I'm excited. Oh, I have to tell you this, this, uh, what we're talking about today was some web performance stuff. This seems, this seems right up my alley. Uh, can you, can you introduce the guest for us? Sure. Our guest is a person who actually started the web performance Slack channel in our community. It's, I think the person without whom that channel would even exist. It's a person that is first in my mind if I think about performance and if anyone asks me like, okay, I want to improve something, whom I should to go. And that the person that is in my mind at first. And this person is Rocky. Rocky, hi, how are you? How is going on your side? Hey, Alag. Hi, how are you guys? Um, uh, glad to be here, guys. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here. Uh, and and uh, this is the first time I'm interacting with the Salesforce community in a, in a podcast like this. So uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity, guys. No, it's thanks to you, actually, because when when you try to think about web performance, I feel that we underestimate a bit the influence of web performance. We don't discuss much about it. And we didn't actually had like questions in terms of usually in community, right? If you follow everything, you don't get much questions like, oh, okay, how I can improve my web details, for example, or because of the score performance or my page is slow. It's more about some functional questions, how I can achieve some functionality. So like, what was your motivation behind starting web performance like channel? How, how, how did you came with that? Oh, so for me, uh, it, I think few things came together. Uh, so I started, I believe that channel in around December, 2019, roughly, I think now almost two years ago. And, uh, that time I was working with some of the clients on the web performance. So generally I don't go that deep in the technical topic, but this is an area where it so much going on. Google was talking about core web vital things were moving at a fast pace. And I happened to, uh, when uh, I happened to join a conference in 2019 in, in, in Amsterdam. Uh, which is uh, Perf now, where who's and who's of this community actually attends. And when I went there, I learned a lot of new stuff. Uh, and I was working on a client project actually on this one. So I started going deep and I realized that a lot of time I just want to compare my, my the one of the client performance with others, right? So uh, where do I go and whom do I ask basically? Uh, most of the Salesforce site, if you especially, let's say there are two apparel retailers, 80% of the time, the site structure is same, the functionality is same. So you expect performance levels to be kind of same, assuming both are on SFRA or both are on site genesis, some sort of parity, right? So I, I was creating a lot of uh, this video comparisons using the synthetic monitoring tools. And um, I wanted to basically discuss with the community. So I started to, I think the way I started, um, I, I created, started taking those videos and started putting those in, which was the easiest way for people to see the performance, right? And that's what I was doing internally with my clients. And, and then I saw the traction, people started asking questions uh, and the community grow from, I think now it's roughly 370 people. Uh, so 
So that's how it started, actually. And my personal interest in this topic uh, started from 2019. I started going very, very deep into it, made a lot of friends in the community, uh, within Salesforce, outside Salesforce also. Um, and, and yeah, that's how it started. And, and I hope we can continue this. So if anyone just started to listen to us and he wants to become a part of that conversation, right? He wants to monitor what the new stuff over there, maybe he wants to share also his data. So how they can access that channel is like, do you have some special form that you are like, it's a private closed channel and it's by invite or people can just join the community, go there. How does uh, it work? So, so there are, uh, First of all, let's talk about the, the channel which we have on the Salesforce uh, Slack, right? The unofficial Salesforce Slack. So we have a channel for web performance there, which anybody can join. You just need to know the name of the channel. And I believe channel is called web performance. So you just search in the, the, in the Slack and you'll find a channel and you can join. And then other than this particular channel where this, it's only the Salesforce community, I'm part of a, another sales web performance at a Slack where it's only invite only. And, and, and where the people from various browser vendors, the CDN vendors, the different e-commerce platform providers, the, 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 the likes of Google uh, core team member who runs the, this whole crux team, uh, they're all there. It's invite only, but it's not difficult to join. If anybody wants to join, um, I think we can put uh, in the podcast description a link and, and uh, people can basically just uh, request via that link or just ping me directly message on a Salesforce unofficial Slack and I can help get the access. Uh, there, the I think just one caveat, if you are new to the, the topic, you may find it too technical and sometimes things uh, going too deep, the discussion get really, really deep sometimes because we're talking about the interfaces of Chrome or Firefox or some CDN providers. So if you don't go, want to go that deep, uh, you stay in the sales for an official channel. But if you really are passionate about this topic and want to explore more, then you can join this other Slack workspace. And, and I think one, one, one good thing about the community is uh, no question is a dumb question. You can ask anything, very basic questions to a very, very technical questions. And, and, and most of the questions will be uh, answered on, on that Slack. You're so right. I, I sometimes struggle to, to put a lot of efforts into educating our community just to saying, as you said, there are no dumb questions. Every question is good. And people sometimes either like uh, afraid to ask a question, so they might go into a private messaging, just reach out yes. privately and asking the question. And you're like, this is a good question. Just go ask over there. And then they like, mm, I don't want to. Can you post a question or like <laughs> that? And I'm like, okay, fine. I can do that. I understand frustration of the person, but I'm just trying to do my effort just to say, there are no stupid questions. Like we all been there. Like if you just start your career, you're a junior, it's fine. Just ask the question and yeah. you don't need to delete the question. Like if you got an answer, like keep it because tomorrow there'll be another person who will, will have the same particular question. He will, might also think this was a dummy question, right? But it's not. So he'll go yeah. and check over there. And with that, like, it's all about the culture, right? In, 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 in some sense, it's all about the culture of the community culture. So how, how you would build a web performance culture, right? How you would actually influence people to think about the web performance? Uh, so I think it depends uh, uh, whether you're talking about within a community, uh, like, which is a developer focused community, where I suggest basically no question is a dumb question, ask anything. 
and and there needs to be few people who need to champion the cause uh so i i can try to help wherever uh, i can and if if i don't know the answer i will go and ask fewer people because when i don't know the answer to a question being asked i am also curious and i'm going to ask that to a different group uh which to more experts and maybe come back to this group right so sometime that may happen um and and when it comes to the building culture within a retail organizations uh that's a different beast altogether actually uh the uh when you when you go outside the engineering teams uh uh it it becomes a very very different skill set uh you need to talk a language which is very non technical uh so give an example right in a very typical retail organization you may have a ux team you may have an agency which is building the content for a particular retailer typically it's outsource uh, whereas an agency may be putting uh, content slot or or some sort of cms and things like that right where they may be adding images videos and all that right so that may be another stakeholder there and then stakeholder which gets all the blame typically is the marketing right where they'll put a google tag manager and and will basically keep adding everything there now sometimes the google tag manager may be managed by your own team engineering team or sometimes that also is outsourced right to another agency so uh worst case scenario is you are working with at least two agencies a ux team an engineering team uh and and interestingly in my experience i have had uh, to include infosec as a stakeholder also because uh the there was some solution which infosec put like bot prevention and things like that which degraded the performance so I had to educate them now that was the group which never heard of core web vitals they were living in their own world and they wanted the bot prevention on every single page and and all kind of stuff right so uh, i think the first thing it starts to identify your stakeholder within the, within your organization are you dealing with agencies are you dealing with the, your own engineering team or an si partner or, or where the design team is and and then bring all of them together in a single forum so one of the thing which we did with our client brought all these teams together for a day uh uh peter yorkshan yeah so and and this is a i'm i'm pretty passionate about web performance stuff is this is it is it seemingly almost seems like some some companies can overlook this very easily cuz uh you know in reality the, the roles are kind of departmentalized right like the people individually working on parts some you'll have somebody's working on content uh somebody's doing like front end development somebody's doing back end development yeah. but eventually it all comes together um and that's where these things start to happen um so to me it seems like the um just tracking on the performance issues is is one big caveat of, of where these things kind of fall apart um so i'm like interested on just the like tooling that might be involved in some of this stuff and performance for this uh like just like how 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 you even go about tracking this kind of stuff so, and then doing anything about this uh, uh there are there are a lot of different toolings available and it it depends on each different uh situation in different organization sometimes you may have a tooling and you may not have the tooling there is free tooling available and there are the the paid tooling available right so uh if you uh, i basically uh, uh when when i talk to my clients i basically think of uh anybody who can put anything on the website okay that needs to be responsible that particular team needs to be responsible for putting the uh, on the website and 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 then they can have a negative impact on the website right and you need a way to measure it so there are obviously there are tools in the industry like web page test 
uh, which everybody is familiar with, which is freely available, and and developers typically use that. Uh, then you have uh, some insights available from Google Analytics, which I don't typically recommend. But if you don't have anything, then it's better than basically nothing. Uh, then you have the Google Search Console, which has the the bunch of insights in it. Uh, my personal experience has been that a lot of developers are not given the access to the Google Search Console, so they run blind in the organization. It, it, the access is kept to the marketing or somewhere else. Uh, and then, uh, apart from this free tool, then you can go for a synthetic monitoring tool like Speed Curve or, or an equivalent. Uh, uh, I'm not recommending any specific tool here. I personally have used Speed Curve and I like it. Uh, and then, if you are reaching a, a maturity level, then you possibly can go with like RUM. Uh, uh, which is a real user monitoring and you can uh, use, uh, again, SpeedCow provides a RUM tool or there are a bunch of other uh, Akama Yempels and Dynatrace. You pick a tool and, and, and you go deeper into it, right? It all depends on the maturity level. And sometimes I think the teams are not given the budget for all these tools. Uh, so they make, they try to do what they can. And, and if you don't have any budgets, then at least try to use core web vital libraries to to gather the 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 basic data yourself and 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 see what you can do with it so we discussed we just briefly discussed about tools we mentioned budget and we mentioned we talked about the people how we now connect all three dots right so how for example i as a developer can get the tool and for the tool i need to pay a license, right? So how, where I get the budget and how then the budget, it's all about the, some person who will be my sponsor who has to fund it. So how yeah. we then have to explain to that person that we need to this tool, like do you, you said about the language. So it's about, I don't know, just telling that we can get, like we are losing money because of performance or how then like you discuss yeah, all of this yeah i think it, it used to be a little bit more difficult a couple of years ago but at least if you talk to your marketing stakeholders and 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 the the, the because of the awareness created by the google in the recent like last two years uh, at least you will see you will find that in most of the cases the the teams have heard of at least core web vital or lighthouse okay uh, the they may not understand the technicalities of it but they know this has a seo impact and things like that okay they would have read somewhere something about it uh, so use that to your advantage uh, uh, you can, can always create those web page tests using the free web, web page test version and you can just see that the uh, create those videos and just show to the your stakeholders and see how fast the site load uh, of you and your competitors always use use competitors uh, identify four or five core competitors uh, create a comparison videos and and if if you come at the top really good but if you are not come at the top then you show those video to your senior stakeholders and 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 show them any anybody non technical can understand those videos right? and and basically uh, can see oh, oh, are we really this slow uh, and then it gives them a surprise because most of the time they are on a wifi and they are not realizing this uh, so so you create those videos and some of the synthetic monitoring tools are not really very expensive uh, if you just wanted to sign up a trial and and create some basic uh, videos and do basic monitoring of some key pages. So try to find a, a small budget. Uh, it can be like a couple of hundred dollars uh, to start with. And then once you have a little bit of backing, then you can always increase, add more credits, try to track more pages, try to tra track the whole customer journeys and things like that. Just start very, very small. And I'm sure uh, 
uh, everybody can convince the business for a couple of hundred dollar budget and then you go from there and then you may have a maturity to to go for a rum solution a little bit later so start small and and then go 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 from there so when you say start small i actually thinking about commerce cloud tools because if for example well, if we speak about Salesforce Commerce Cloud customers, right, they already have some tooling from Commerce Cloud. And we mentioned right now, so in order to make comparison, we're also talking about external tools. So I do understand that in order to make this comparison, I have to use external tools because I cannot kind of, maybe you can, I don't know, say if I'm wrong, but you cannot test other customer websites with my Commerce Cloud tooling. You have to use kind of external tooling. So what then will be the difference? How you then would use external tooling vs commerce cloud tooling? And actually, do you recommend using commerce cloud tooling for the performance or, or not? Yeah, I, I personally believe that the commerce cloud tooling is not sufficient. So you'll always need an external tool. Uh, and and uh, commerce cloud has uh, tooling on controller and the pipeline and, and, and those kind of data. So you, you use to your advantage to fix wherever you have a degradation, but you're always going to need an external synthetic monitoring tool. Now you don't need to pay for, you, need, you don't need a paid version. You can do this on a web page test for free uh, and, and create those video strips. Uh, so that's pretty simple. Uh, it's very manual. You can't schedule things and all that. And a paid tool will let you do that, run every day, create those videos on an ongoing basis, create some alert and things like that. But if you really wanted to create these video strips after every release, let's say, and you really, let's say you're releasing every week or every two weeks, then you can do that every two week manually. And it's, it doesn't take a lot of time. It, it can, you can do in 10 minutes basically and, and, and send a quick video of comparison of performance to the stakeholders. Uh, so that's that's what you can, you are always gonna need external tool. Yeah, um, what, uh, there's a really helpful tool actually uh, just in your browsers a lot of the time that uh, I know there's front-end developers and, and back-end developers could take advantage of. Uh, like the, um, the one that gets overlooked a lot actually I think is the networking throttling that people can mimic. And so um, for yes. people who are focusing on, on mobile development specifically, like uh, there's issues with, and I, everything you said Rocky about video is amazing because for us developers who are working on things, we can actually see the problem, but even testing it, you know, you've got issues with like lazy loading or uh, content that you think is being correctly lazy loaded, but it's not. And then you see your network being filled up with network requests and everything's going slow. The more you scroll, things happen with that. Uh, there's the ability to track um, just even like, uh, like the performance of scrolling itself is also like a, as a web performance issue. <laughs> so uh, yeah. do you have, do you have any like personal, I'm curious, like if you have any personal favorites of yours of just like free ones that people um, could use that maybe are just overlooked or people don't think about all the time oh so for the free free ones i use uh, uh this tool called trio t-r-e-o uh, just to look at the historical crux data uh and uh it the data updates basically uh second tuesday of every month and and you can subscribe and get an alert email uh, uh and and uh, i basically subscribe to that and every time i get that alert i first thing i do is take a screenshot and share the stakeholders that's pretty free and and you don't need to go to uh, use Cux API or anything like that. Uh, very, very simple tool to use. So Trio is one of my favorite tool. Uh, yeah, WebPest test is all time favorite uh, to use it. And I think everybody should use that without use, without that tool, this industry won't exist. I, I think uh, that that's how it is basically. Uh, so 
Yeah, obviously all these tickets, like people are working on these things, um, you know, and, and as these tickets are coming in, like how, how does a business figure out which ones they should start first and which ones might not be as important, right? Because there's obviously going to have to be a choice to be made on how to prioritize this stuff and, and it can blow up pretty quickly. So how, how, do, how do you pick and who, who gets to pick, I guess, uh, as, a, as far as that process goes? Yeah, yeah, that's a very good question, actually. And I think before I answer that, uh, how do you prioritize, you need to understand basically how the crux works and then how it's calculated, right? And where the, the biggest, you're going to get the biggest impact, right? So uh, a lot of developers actually jump into the web performance without understanding how actually crux works and what Google is actually looking for, right? And there are a lot of misconception in, in the industry. And which result in a like lot of misprioritization actually, right? So that that uh, to give you an example, like a lot of people do not realize that the when the we are looking at the crux data, it actually also includes the logged in pages. Yeah? So things like my account, order tracking, the the data is included for that. A lot of people just think, oh, Google can't actually crawl my uh, sign in pages, which means that this data is not included in crux. Uh, that's how people see it because they're used to of not having logged in pages into the the search index, uh, the Google search. So they think it's not included, but Crux is different. Actually, the logged in page data is included in Crux, right? So so you need to get your, your concept right first, basically how the Crux is actually working. And Crux also works based on the amount of traffic to a particular URL, right? If a URL does not have a lot of traffic, it's not, never going to make a cut into the Crux uh, uh, and, and if, if the, if the crux does not have the data for the URL, it's not going to treat it any differently. Uh, so you are, you you need to actually look at a lot of your data first, go to the Google search console, look at the, what type of URL are more indexed. And especially it's very easy in the e-commerce, right? In, if you see the e-commerce, there are home pages, category pages, listing pages, and product detail pages, right? These are the pages where most of the traffic actually is concentrated. You may have a use case where you have a special reward program and it's very popular. So that may be a page behind the login, which is popular. So you need to look at basically your data, what pages are popular, where, uh, and, and in terms of the traffic, which pages get a lot of traffic, right? Uh, so typically listing pages get a lot of traffic on an e-commerce website. Uh, so, uh, and if you're, if you're trying to optimize number of URLs actually, which are passing this threshold, then you want to look at the the listing pages because you may have a lot of listing and, and, and subcategory pages and things like that, right? And then if if you if you focus all your effort on optimizing home page, then it's gonna only improve just one URL. Okay? Uh, and then if you go to let's say PDPs, it's gonna improve a lot of different URLs, but some of the uh, PDPs may not even have enough traffic and may never be even part of the crux database, right? So once you understand how the crux is working, what is doing. Uh, then, then there are multiple approaches. Right? Uh, you basically look at with whatever tooling you have, whether it's a synthetic monitoring or RUM or whatever tool you have, just see where the the big most problem actually lies, right? Where the degradation is. And remember, the the Google starts to give you any advantage of of this threshold being passed when a URL passes all three threshold. If a URL does not pass all three core web vitals, it is not given any extra weightage that's what the google clarification is right so if you have let's say uh, hundreds of urls which are failing on all three core web vitals then you basically you are in a situation where you'll have to really look at prioritization but let's say situation where you have a huge number of urls which are passing two core web vitals 
but very specific or very vital like CLS is, is just on the border and it's not passing. Then you want to focus on that particular group of web vitals in the short term and make sure that you turn that to green so that you start to get the benefit of 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 uh, the uh, whatever weightage Google is giving you in the in the in the search engines, right? So there, are, I think before you even prioritize, first try to understand how things work in the background, how the crux is working, what does it means, what Google is basically advising you to do it, and sometimes the developers do not have time to go that deep into it. And that's it. I think be part of the right communities. Uh, uh, follow the follow the conversation. Uh, and and once you have that, then the comes to, another question comes is that generally the developers will get a lot of best practices. Do lazy loading, do the server side rendering, and and do this and do that. Right? Do uh, self host custom phones. You name it technique. If you were to list down all the performance optimization technique, there will be twenty or thirty different techniques. And now you need to figure out which one I do I apply. And a lot of time, even if you apply, you have no way to measure it. Give you an example, uh, TLS. Somebody say, uh, do TLS 1.3. Uh, even if you enable that, you don't know how to measure it actually, which tool to use it. Because the, the optimization is going to be in 5 to 10 millisecond benefit. Uh, you're not going to get more than 10 millisecond gain there typically. Uh, so it becomes very, very difficult. Sometimes you need to take a faith-based approach and just apply best practices no matter what. Uh, but sometimes even applying a simple best practice may result in a degradation. And then you realize uh, that you don't have enough tool to actually see whether what you did was right or wrong. And a very good example of that is lazy loading. When a lot of developers implemented lazy loading, they also lazy loaded the hero image, which actually degraded the LCP. Uh, and, and everybody thought uh, why it's doing that, but but because you blindly applied that best practice. So I think the my solution will be just to uh, understand the basics of crux and then uh, list down all the performance techniques. Don't go after everything. Avoid anything fancy and new, which Chrome has released just now, because typically it happens if Chrome releases something new, it takes at least six months for it to uh, get baked in there may be sometimes bugs uh, and there may be sometimes regressions. So you don't want to jump onto anything new and fancy immediately unless it's a very easy to implement and very easy to roll back. Uh, so, so keep uh, that in mind. I have, I've, I've been to a place where I, I will basically deploy something very, very new and there'll be regression. And then you, you, you actually took the sprint bandwidth and also didn't get anything. So I would say wait for six months before you jump onto anything new. Uh, that will be another another thing you can do to avoid a lot of noise uh, and the new things which appear from time to time in the industry. So, thank you for that, Rocky. I mean, those best practices recommendations are really key in order to get most out of performance. What about then Salesforce Commerce Cloud clients? Are there any specifics that they can apply or need to consider when they want to get the best out of the platform is like did you had any experience comparing to like generic industry and then specifically for commerce cloud is there any specifics that customer has to think or i don't know apply or it's the same rules actually for any platform i think the yeah the, there are some uh, sfcc specific nuances right for example a lot of uh, sfcc clients may not be using a dedicated cdn and they'll be relying on ecdn and some of the capabilities on ECDN 
is is recently actually released via just only the API, which may many developer may not be even aware. There is no way to actually configure those in the business manager today. Uh, I think a couple of things which I've worked with the the ECDN team in this SFCC. One was I think broadly compression. Another was HTTP two prioritization. So some of these techniques are available via ECDN API uh, and not from business manager. So uh, I don't believe many SFCC clients are currently using those. And these are just a simple switch. You don't need to do anything. You just need to basically invoke the API once, toggle a switch via API, and then you get the benefit. Uh, now, there is not enough awareness in the community about these things. So you may not be getting this obvious benefits, uh, which are no-brainer, actually. Uh, and 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 I I have I have posted about this in the Slack channel before, but these are the things which uh, any SFCC clients can do if you are on ECDN and not uh, having your own dedicated uh, CDN. Okay, so if you listen to us and you didn't update it, go to Slack channel, go to Web Performance. We now have unlimited history. It's not wiping out. Thank you, Salesforce, for support on this one. Thank you, Slack. So now you can go over there, you can see a bot post from Rocky, go enable API and leverage all that ECDN can give to you. That's that's a great tip. I, I guess like if we have to call it, you know, like if it was at least one useful tip over here, okay, we have multiple already, but that will be a key for our commerce cloud customers. Okay, like I can, if I may, I want to just jump a bit, maybe more technical, but there is some stuff that I was reading on the internet and I don't quietly understand. Maybe it can sound like uh, Lord Voldemort in Harry Potter. I think there was also like a part of that. He, he went to the professor and was like also, professor, sorry, I was in the library. I was reading like a book and there was one term that I don't clearly understand. Can you explain to me? So can you explain to me and to our audience, what is Web Almanac and what is HTTP Archive? Like, what is that? I, I saw it everywhere, but I don't yeah. understand. What What is that? Okay, so uh, I think let's. Let, there are two or three components of this, right? So, web. Let's talk about the Web Almanac first. So, web. Think of a Web Almanac is a state of a web uh, project, uh, and this is an annual report which get published. I think it's has been published now for last three years. And, and in this report, uh, a lot of uh, volunteers from community and the expert in specific areas come together and try to summarize what happened in, in, in that particular year. So there, uh, this report typically consists of around 20 different chapters. There's a chapter on JavaScript, there's a chapter on uh, the accessibility, the performance, the security, the e-commerce and the CMS uh, and, and stuff like that, right? So it's a, uh, a very big community of developers, uh, the, the experts in the industry who come together and, and, and pick, uh, contribute to the topic. Now, how do they actually get data? Uh, so they use something called HTTP archive to get the data. So uh, when you and I are browsing uh, internet on Chrome, we basically uh, opt in in the beginning, right? Uh, to share some of our data, browsing data with Google anonymously. And uh, Google basically uses the data for technical performance reason. And, and, and that's what ultimately result into the crux, right? So Google, uh, when it shows you the crux data, it's looking at you and I browsing uh, all of a particular website and, and recording the data. Now, what Google does is 
basically that every month it provides a list of all the domains across the world which pass a certain uh, traffic threshold and uh, for example in the january roughly 8 million domain uh, were above the threshold so google provides this uh, uh, the the list of the domains uh, uh, and and it's publicly available anybody can actually get the data uh, and then the this community which is responsible for web almanac and http archive what we do is we have a monthly crawl where we crawl all of this 8 million domains and um, uh, run through them web web page test and calculate the lighthouse scores and and basically also see what are the various technologies used on a specific page so we may identify the site is being using the salesforce commerce cloud versus sap commerce cloud and and we 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 gather this data month on month every month and and then uh, publish uh, the findings at the end of the year but the data is available uh, every month and typically since the crux data from google is only available second tuesday of the month uh, these reports uh, get updated second tuesday of the month which you would have seen me putting on the salesforce slack channel right so uh, every every month there is a crawl which crawls 8 million domains looks at their crux scores looks at their lighthouse scores and looks at what technologies are used and then you can do a lot of funky stuff with it so it seems like there's a lot of really helpful information on the history of basically web performance <laughs> over time i'm i'm curious how uh, someone in the salesforce community could actually benefit from this information like how would they even go about finding uh you know what what trends might be happening or other what what other kinds of information could somebody get from this Yes yeah, so so I think the community provides some uh, uh, dashboard built on the Google Data Studio which are self service and we can put a link in the podcast description where you can compare the core web vital uh, for salesforce commerce cloud with other enterprise platforms like sap or like hcl or for that matter with shopify wix or big commerce if you wanted to right and see how uh, the origins on a particular platform compared to the other platform right and and you can you can break this down at country level so you can see uh, is is uh, so a lot of people see actually right then is is shopify the most performing platform in india or is there a local player out there uh, or the same in latin america for example right uh, because certain certain platform may have a focus in certain geographies and things like that so th- that's a very basic thing you can do uh, and then you can go deeper so Go ahead, Peter. Uh, before I I tell you the deepest stuff. Yeah, I would. I'm curious. Like, just you mentioned the that it can compare platforms. Like, uh, do you have like what those platform comparisons are? Like, are there is there a, a clear winner? <laughs> Hopefully, it's Salesforce. Uh, so, but... so, uh, in in the enterprise space, I think the the most of the the enterprise uh, uh, space uh, platform are typically not doing very well. Uh, uh, when I say very well, generally the uh, if you see the only 10 to 15% of the origins pass the all core web vitals when it comes to the enterprise space right salesforce so the in in the january 2022 i think the uh, uh, let me just quickly check uh, in january 2022 if you see the sap actually was performing best where roughly 18% of the origin pass core web vitals uh, on sap commerce cloud and the same number for salesforce was 15 Yeah, but eighteen has been the the best ever percentage number there uh, for these enterprise platforms. But if you include something like Shopify or or Wix, then the number goes to fifty, sixty percent sometimes. Uh, so there is a clearly a problem uh, 
uh, in the enterprise space uh, because sometimes it's not only about uh, the the platform; it's all about the organization as well, right? There are other challenges. Uh, an enterprise sometimes big enterprise sometimes move a little bit slow, uh, whereas a SaaS platform like Shopify and Wix uh, can do a lot of changes at the platform level. But they may have other challenges, like where they may have a easy to install apps which may degrade. So there are different set of challenges there. But yeah, you you uh, the good point, good thing is that the the number stats are improving month on month. Uh, but yeah, yeah so from time to time we see a degradation, and that's why the platform provider should pay attention to. So Rocky, you said that Shopify because it's like a platform, right? It's platform shared by all the customers, actually the same, let's say the same code, right? It's the same view, maybe they just change styling, but actually let's say UI UX, it's mostly the same. It's driven by the platform. So it's easy for them to apply. What in this case can Salesforce itself and Salesforce commerce cloud product team in particular can help to do to help their customers. Is it more about monitoring tool? Or as you said, it's better to use external tools. What, in your opinion, Salesforce can do itself, right? To help customers to improve those scores. Because even like, let's say the competition, right? SAP Commerce, you, you said in January had 3% more than Commerce Cloud. So I would say that like Salesforce would be interesting to improve, right? To be a top one in that score for in the future. So. And you and I, I consider you, yourself as an expert in the web performance and you use a lot of tools. You also work with a lot of Salesforce Commerce Cloud customers. So what Salesforce can do to help? I think Salesforce can do obviously a uh, uh, few things here. So one of the things I was talking about, uh, the what insight you can get from HTTP archive, right? So HTTP archive tracks roughly 4,000 Salesforce sites, uh, which I think is a pretty good number of Salesforce customer base. And uh, if you if you were to query this database, you can see, and I think Salesforce already has data themselves, and sometime maybe I should query and put it for the sake of the community. You can actually even see the simple things like uh, what percentage of Salesforce clients have enabled broadly compression, okay? which is just a simple toggle. Uh, now that's something which I can query using this data. I can also query uh, what percent of Salesforce client have TLS 1.3 enabled. I can, I can actually query uh, stuff like that. Uh, and, and then and start to put uh, on, on common forum where basically uh, you can you can simply send a your account managers can actually go to the clients and basically say, by the way, here's the two small features. You are not using it, which can immediately help you. The other thing Salesforce can do, which I think um, uh, this idea came to me from Shopify. So now Shopify has two things, right, where people build this storefront themes and people build apps. Now Shopify has a gating process where when you build a theme or app and you submit it, it goes to a review process. But now say, so Shopify added some of the core web vitals, the gating criteria for those apps or themes to get approved. So the requirement of uh, your theme should cross uh, this much of accessibility score, this much of a performance score, lighthouse score and things like that, right? I don't believe there is any such gating criteria on the Salesforce cartridges. So when the Salesforce cartridge is approved, uh, yeah, Salesforce is own process, but I don't believe, and I may be wrong, and if somebody is listening in the Salesforce, feel free to correct me, but I don't believe there is a performance criteria there. So this is coming from an experience 
we we were using a cartridge for um, a, a client and where we were asked to upgrade the cartridge for a security reason and we upgraded and it, and performance degraded immediately um, and the reason was because they didn't use one of the best practice from salesforce uh, so we when we highlighted the vendor actually corrected it but that should have been possibly caught during the the salesforce review process so salesforce can tighten that process can add few more conditions for example if 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 a vendor is building a cartridge um, let's say hypothetically it's a review provider they should not be integrating in such a way that it causes a cls because it's very easy to cause uh, a cls uh, by loading a javascript and things like that right so so something like that salesforce can start putting controls that's the one thing salesforce can do yeah i mean i remember cygenesis times i don't believe anything of this was done sfra did better maybe not like not till the way we can do as of today just slightly better but still i feel also behind don't quote me but don't quote me but i still a bit behind what we actually performance ideal would be what i love actually what pwa kit is doing right now if you look they pay a lot of attention to the core vitals to make sure that even that starting point that reference application is highly performant and it's working really well so once again don't quote me but i feel they do check this at the same time link cartridges i honestly never seen i certified uh, two cartridges myself in the past when i worked for the partner so we built some cartridges did certifications i don't recall anything about as you said right like checking if like our link cartridge will not impact the performance of the website in terms of core web, Beatles, you know, web performance of course according to the platform there would be some checks if we are not hitting i don't know database tire all the time so we should leverage caching we should leverage application tire, other stuff but not actually something that google uh attracts uh, yeah. much yeah. themselves yeah and, and if i can mention one more last point there the the some of the thing with salesforce sorry the shopify and and some of the other platforms are doing is they are providing a, a basic version of rum within the tool so they they're, what they're doing is taking this core web vitals library uh and including by the default on every shopify store and when you log into your shopify admin you can see your core web vitals okay and and uh, they are doing this uh, out of the box in the platform so even if you don't have a dedicated rum tool you get this data and uh this is what they're doing so salesforce i know it's an enterprise client and most of the clients possibly have the budgets to implement a rum uh but uh maybe salesforce can give an option where you can just toggle a google web vitals library and at least get basic rum data uh, in business manager or somewhere else uh, if if you struggle as an engineering team to get budgets for a dedicated tool so it sounds like um, you know you're doing a lot of good work with this already the uh, unofficial slack and then just in general the uh, salesforce community with the web performance stuff uh, and so you're you're helping us out what what can the uh, the salesforce community do to help web performance uh, i think salesforce community can be more vocal and more uh, sharing of the knowledge uh, the i've seen very few case studies coming out of the salesforce community uh the we can share more uh and 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 uh share whether in a slack or on a public case study whatever the means and mediums are or do a podcast like this 
uh, that doesn't really matter. I think what matters is sharing. So um, that's what I would like to see. I would like to see more participation in the Slack channel. And it's, uh, I've seen sometime I sh- keep sharing uh, and that's just my nature. And the, the I get a lot of uh, encouraging words from the, from the community uh, about the stuff I'm sharing. Uh, but sometimes I actually fear what I'm sharing. Is it useful or not? Or is it too technical? Because as I said, I'm part of this other group where there's a lot of technical stuff being discussed. And sometimes I, I will copy paste, but I don't copy paste too technical stuff. Otherwise, the audience will get lost. Uh, so so for, for me, I think if the community can get engaged more, give a little bit of feedback, uh, and then, then um, uh, I can also learn from others. This space is so fast moving that I took a one-month vacation in January and I was looking at the data for Core Web Vitals today and suddenly saw the CLS scores improving for all e-commerce platforms. And I tweeted about this today morning and then somebody from Google uh, actually explained what happened. Uh, and, and, and if you were a developer and, and you were looking at this, you may spend weeks and months figuring this out actually yourself. So uh, a simple public tweet uh, by me uh, gave me the answer in 15 minutes. And, and I would strongly recommend that uh, no question is dumb question. I always ask dumb questions on Twitter or Slack. Uh, so please feel free to do so and, and, and just participate. And what I love that you said, you, you said about the sharing, how my son usually says to me, if he, if he wants me to share with him some cook other stuff, he's saying, Daddy, sharing is caring. <laughs> <laughs> right? So let community and anyone who listen to us, let, let's share our knowledge. and. That's why we have a community, right? That's why, I mean, I'm so passionate about that. I'm Peter and I, we have this podcast where we trying to invite the guests to share the knowledge because I'm with you, right? I feel that we in the, in the past years, we didn't do enough effort that we can do in order to build this community in order to share the knowledge and help each other. And we are on the right track, right? We are moving over there. I guess we are still not there when people would like to, but we are there, like we're moving. That, that's, that's the most important part. And Rocky, I love all the stuff that we discussed today. Budgets, people, toolings, uh, web, HTTP, Hive. I actually, in the web almanac, I'm actually thinking, oh, I love to play with the data. Should I get my hands on it? No, I, I didn't know about that actual storage that we can go. You can pull even by the attributes if someone applied or not applied. So. I certainly feel that will be super useful. And yeah, I, uh, it, we always looking for volunteers in that project, Oleg. So if you wanted to write the uh, WebElmanic chapter for the next year, uh, you can volunteer. Okay, okay. Uh, noted. Thank you uh, for the invite. Uh, in every our podcast, we have a chapter in the end of our podcast where we give a time for our guests to share their message to the community. And we are at that moment of our podcast where we talked about everything we wanted about the web performance theme. And now it's your time for the message for the community. Rocky, what do you want to say to anyone who listened to us? I think my message to the community is is, is uh, with respect to the performance, right? As I said, we already discussed share as much as you can, uh, talk to everybody, every stakeholder within your uh, teams. Uh, you Sometimes it just feels very frustrating with the churn in the team. Uh, you will educate one person in the UX or one person in marketing and six months later they are gone. And then you start all over again. 
So sometimes it's frustrating, but the more we talk as a community and industry about this topic, the more the awareness will be there, the, the easier it will become for us to actually achieve our end goals. Uh, and and uh, as if you are an engineer who does not have a lot of experience, trust me, you will not find a more supporting community than web performance uh, in the industry. It is one of the most supporting community out there. Uh, whether it's within Salesforce or outside Salesforce, on Twitter or on Slack, uh, if you just want to get involved, just mess- message me directly and, and then um, I can handhold you guys. Uh, you can become volunteer to some of these projects, uh, do small GitHub PRs uh, to start with. And, and who knows what, if, if it, your interest is, 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 is there, then you may even work in core Google Teams. Uh, Google Teams hire uh, in this space all the time. Uh, they look at dev relationship uh, people. They look at the core engineers, and it's a very very supportive community, especially from my last two year experience. And 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 um, I I I've made a lot of good friends uh, uh, within Salesforce and outside Salesforce by by being part of this community. Uh, so I would like to see more people taking advantage of this community and 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 contributing to the community at the same time. So that's something I think um, I'm happy to handhold people and 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 if somebody wants to do it. And if somebody is very shy uh, or or uh, not want to do a public speaking, uh, public sharing, but I think yeah, you're going to start somewhere. If you're passionate about it, uh, if you're passionate about web performance and, and this topic, then there's a lot of help available. Thank you very much, Rocky. Uh, I love the discussion. So, guys, today we had Rocky, who, as I said, in my mind, is a top one person. If I think about the web performance, if I think about improvements, if I think about web performance community. We discussed today different web performance toolings, the difference between commerce cloud tooling and external tooling, the three apps that you can just pick up right now. We will list them down in the description to this podcast or this video if you watch us on the YouTube. So you can just go and take advantage of them. Also, if you join uh, Salesforce Commerce Cloud Slack community in the web performance channel, you can search for the Rocky post about how you can use the APIs to your ACD and just improve your website right away. Maybe the next step we'll do just pin it to the channel so it's easily accessible as if it's not yet. And just in general, thank you, Peter. Thank you, Rocky. Thank you for listening to us and see you next time.